Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, and we've got an awesome show for you guys today, starting with lots of discussion from another wild week of the 2020 college football season, followed by our winners and losers of the week, and ending the show with our world-famous picks of the week. Before we get into that, let's introduce the boys, starting with my guy, Lando Hester. Lando, what kind of beer are you drinking tonight? Uh, so our tech guy, Key's got some new type of IPAs. They're not too bad. 7.7% alcohol, so I'm going to get hammered. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> no reason to have it around the keg podcast if you're going to be sober, right? Amen. Chad, what you got there, boy? Well, you know, you can't go wrong with an ice cold Miller light. Also, it is great to be back on the show. I missed it last week. Hate it for all listeners out there, but you know, some of us got to work. Matt, what do you got, man? Daddy duty calls for one thing. Coors Banquet Beer, baby. Coors Banquet Beer. The official sponsor of Matt Howell and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Keys. Tech guy Keys. What you drinking tonight, bud? Oh, well, first of all, I think uh, Lando is a bit of a loss for words at the beer I, I gave him to drink. He's drinking a, a Pog. It's a Scofflaw Basement IPA. But uh, I enjoyed that one. Right now, I'm drinking my favorite beer, Creature Comforts Tropicalia. Thor's beer of choice as well. Uh, fantastic beer. If you have never had it, go pick one up. Mm. It's great. It's a good beer. That's a and good beer. <laughs> what about you, Whit? What do you have it tonight? Well, boys, you guys know me. I'm I'm a big Bud Light man. That's usually my go-to. But after 14 beers this weekend at the uh, the Valentine's Bar downtown in Nashville, uh, where I live, watching the dogs beat up on the Tigers, um, you know, I had to. Had to cut the calories a little bit. I'm going with the old skinny Mick Ultra Superior Light Beer. At least it's not a White Claw. Carbs, 95 cows. It's a great beer, too. It's a great Um, beer. At least it's not a White Claw, you're right. But anyway, you know, done with the alcohol talk. We're not alcoholics here. We're football fans. So we're going to jump into the discussion. So we had another weekend of upsets, specifically in the Big 12. Once again, after Texas loses to TCU, and Oklahoma drops their second game in two weeks at Iowa State. As of now, it looks as Oklahoma State is the new team to beat in the Big 12, and they've also had their struggles. Are we counting out the Big 12 in the playoff conversation, or do you guys think there's still a shot for a team to make a run? The Big 12 is out of the playoff contention, period. The best two teams are ass this year, specifically my Oklahoma Sooners, who have lost two straight games for the first time since... 1999. Watching that game, I, I I I was sad. I was saddened to see that the defense doesn't know how to tackle. They don't know how to cover. You have defensive backs falling on the ground like, you know, there's a, there's a fucking turf monster out there or something. The offensive line sucks. Spencer Rattler is is still really young. And on Texas's side, Texas loses to a TCU team that usually has a pretty decent defense, but they they still lose to a T, an unranked TCU team. And the Big 12 now has to hope for an Oklahoma State team that is honestly pretty bad. They should have lost to Tulsa, which Tulsa actually seems like a pretty decent team this year. But still, Oklahoma State is our only hope, and it's not a really good hope at all. Well, I'll I'll be honest. I <clears throat> I don't think they're out of it yet. Um I think if Texas, with one loss, I think if Texas can win this weekend at Oklahoma, and I think if they can win out and do the right things to know that they improve over the first two weeks of the way they played this season, 
that I think Texas Texas wins out and Texas wins the Big 12 championship, I think they still stand a chance. I mean, are you really going to tell me that a 10-1 and Texas Big 12 champion is going to be left out? I think it's going to depend on the situation and what other teams are doing. But I don't think they're out of it yet. I think if Texas loses again, then their best shot is gone. Because right now, you're correct, Oklahoma State is the best chance the Big 12 has. But they start a four-week stretch on October 24th where they play Iowa State, Texas, and then they get a, and then they get a, they play Kansas State, they get a week off, and then they play Oklahoma. So I don't think they're going to make it out of that stretch. But <clears throat> until until Texas loses a second game or Oklahoma State loses, I think they're still in it mathematically. I really think that there's a chance. I mean, if Oklahoma State goes undefeated, I'm sure they'll be in it. But as of right now, I don't think they're out of it. I still think they stand a chance with those two teams. But in reality, if those two teams get a one loss for Oklahoma State or a second loss for Texas, then it's over. So, Chad, is Texas playing at Oklahoma this weekend? Is that game not in Dallas anymore? Well, I was just, I was just asking the question because you said Texas is at Oklahoma, and maybe maybe you saw something that I, that I didn't because that game is never played at a at Texas or Oklahoma. It's always played in the Cotton Bowl, baby. Well, if I if, if I said it that way, that's not how I meant it. Yeah, I, I meant that they play each other this weekend. So yeah, but either way, Oklahoma State they do have the seventh ranked defense in the country. But if they get through that, they can't get through that that three game stretch. They just can't do it. I actually feel the exact same way as Chad on that. Uh, originally, I did at least. The more I've thought about it, though, with as good as the SEC top three are. If we have a mixture of one-loss opponents there, I think that they're going to beat out a Big 12 opponent. And let's not forget that if Oregon picks up where they left off last year, a 7-0 Oregon, like they play seven games, 7-0 Oregon will beat out a one-loss Texas, in my opinion, just because of how bad that loss was. So I'm with Lando here. Big 12 is out. It would take Texas not only beating Oklahoma, but like, they're going to have to dominate every single game from here on out. They can't even have a close call in order to make the playoff at this point. I think the Big 12 is just that bad. You know, I agree with you all. I think Texas is probably the main team. Um, I mean, Oklahoma State's got zero losses, and they I guess you could say they have a chance going undefeated. But, you know, the more I sit here and think about it, the more I hear you all talk about the more I think, you know, if there was ever a year for a two-loss team from the Big 12 to get in, <sighs> To the playoff, it would be COVID year 2020, the year of absolute uncertainty. And honestly, the fact that the Big 12 and the SEC play more games than, I mean, Pac 12 is playing what? Yeah. Seven at most eight games. Yeah, that's right. Championship. Is that right? Yeah. And we're playing. The Big 12 will be playing. Yeah, we're playing 10 games with uh, one plus the uh, championship game. I. Would not be surprised to see a four-loss Oklahoma. Or not a four-loss. <laughs> oh my gosh, two-loss Oklahoma team or a two-loss Texas team make it in over a seven and zero Oregon. Depending on how good that Oregon team looks. Now, if Oregon comes out and blows everybody out like Clemson does to the ACC, and they look like an actual top four team, I could see it. But I think in a year, Oklahoma and Texas will play four more games than Oregon. Four more games. That's a third of a season. That's insane. Pac-12 can't come out here and play seven games, go undefeated, 
And without looking like a all world beater team, there's no way they get in, in my opinion. I think I think the Pac-12 was out before they even started, just because of the fact that they're starting so late. I'm not saying that I think it's likely that a two-loss Big 12 team gets in or any Big 12 team at all. I think their best opportunity is, like y'all said, Texas with one loss or an Oklahoma, or an Oklahoma State team that goes undefeated. I don't see either one of those really happening just because of what has happened so far. But I do think it's possible. So did anybody watch, you know, the majority of the Oklahoma game on Saturday? I know most of you guys are Alabama fans, Florida fans, Georgia fans. Did anybody watch that game, in a, you know, a good I part did. of that game? I, I, I watched it. Bama was over. So uh, and I, I don't really care to watch Auburn ever. So when I tell you that the Oklahoma tackling was awful, it there was it absolutely, absolutely freaking terrible awful buki radley hiles missed four tackles and he had about five defensive pass interference penalties on just himself i actually put in our group that night that oklahoma tackles like a peewee football team because literally i watched like three plays where what's that that's a disgrace to peewee football teams (laughs) These, these freaking linebackers are running with like standing straight up reaching their arms out like they're trying to grab a freaking dress off of a rack instead of freaking tackle a dude you're, you're not you're not out here trying to dance with a girl you're, you're trying to play football i i don't understand I, I i'm with lando on that too i mean it was awful i'm not trying to steal your bit there dude but like damn they were bad texas was and, and you know i counted at least you know four or five times that oklahoma had uh iowa state's running back you know tackled in the backfield for a six yard loss and it's all arm tackles and the dude runs for 15 yards and gets yep. a first down it's 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 terrible. Big Twelve is in a tough slot right here. But um, as Texas was bounced from the top ten this weekend, we had a fourth team from the ACC enter the top ten at UNC, giving them more top ten teams than any other conference. Does this mean the ACC is taking a big step forward this year? And if so, do we think there is a team in the fold who has a um, chance to challenge Clemson? Yeah, I'll go Chad, ahead. What do you think? Um, I think in reality, I think that all three have the potential to challenge them. Um but I don't think any of them are actually going to beat them. I think Notre Dame, uh, North Carolina, and Miami are probably your best opportunities, but I don't think they'll beat them. I think the games will be tight. I think of those three, I, I know I ragged on Miami earlier on our show a few episodes ago, but, yeah, I think Miami's the best shot this weekend. You know, Miami's offense is clicking on all cylinders right now. North Carolina, I was high on North Carolina to start the year, but – their schedule has had them so out of whack. They've played two games in a span of four weeks, so they haven't really found their groove yet. So I'm not trying to, I'm not taking the Boston College struggles into consideration a lot. Um, I think they'll get there, but I still think they're young. I think they're maybe a year away. And Notre Dame, they're a good team. They're a quality, quality program, but I feel like they're just not near as talented in terms of the way they recruit and the depth that Clemson has. So I think in terms of recruiting and just depth of p- being able to compete, it's going to be Miami. But, yeah, I definitely think the ACC as a whole, as a conference, has taken a step forward this year. Um, I think even if you look kind of under the surface on some lower some lower level kind of mid-tier teams, um, Pitt being three and one, uh, Louisville with Scott Satterfield with the steps they took last year. I know they're not really taking the steps we thought they would this year so far. And even Virginia Tech, Justin Fuentes kind of has got them undefeated back ranked in the top 20 and kind of bouncing towards the right track. So I think the conference is getting better. It's a lot of good young coaches and a lot of good young talent because that conference doesn't recruit as bad as people think they do. But while the conference is taking small steps forward, I still think they're behind the Big 12, the Big 10, and the SEC. Those three teams can challenge Clemson, but I don't think they're going to beat them. I think it's still Clemson's conference to lose. 
if we're talking realistic, I don't see – I've watched North Carolina against Syracuse. I watched them against Boston College this weekend. I don't see them being ready yet to – I mean, maybe they'll compete with Clemson. They'll play up. But I think last year they kind of snuck up on Clemson, and they won't do that this year. It's Clemson and everybody else in the ACC, in my opinion. I think a lot of the top ten has to do with the fact that you don't you haven't really seen the Big Ten play yet. So we don't really know, you know, what some of those teams are going to look like. You don't know what Oregon's going to look like. You don't know what, you know, USC, I've made my statement about them before. It doesn't matter how bad they are. It's a huge market out there. They'll get votes eventually. The SEC is going to beat up on each other enough to where it might knock a couple of teams out of the top 10 contention. But I don't see there being a real test for Clemson in the ACC. The biggest test in the ACC for Clemson is going to be Notre Dame. Notre Dame is has their has their first year in the ACC, you know, first year in a conference in a long time. And usually Notre Dame, you know, I know they're usually hyped up all the time, but Notre Dame is still a, a decent football team that is a lot better than most of the teams in the ACC. Uh, I'm also going to put Miami in there. You know, I know it's you know Miami's first year coming back, being actually pretty good, but I think Miami can. It, it, is doing what they're doing. They're shocking a lot of people right now being as good as they are. So I would definitely wouldn't count out Miami either. Miami's probably the best team in the SEC to challenge Clemson. I can't I think it's just absolutely ridiculous that Notre Dame is ranked number five. I, I think they're pretty good, but I was looking at that this weekend. I didn't even notice they were in the top ten last week and then somehow they ended up number five and then Miami's what, seven, six? It's just I think these ACC teams are honestly getting the benefit of the doubt because they started earlier than everybody else. So they got a chance to have these big games like having college game day. I mean, this is going to be the third week in the past four weeks that the Miami game has gotten college game day. So obviously they're getting all kinds of national attention right now. I don't think there's any team in the ACC that deserves to be in the top 10 besides Clemson. Notre Dame and Miami are probably the only two that even have a shot to beat them. Maybe UNC. I don't know. I think UNC is pretty overrated. Same with Louisville. Louisville's kind of already shown that they're overrated. I still think Clemson's going to sleepwalk through this conference like it's playing a bunch of high school teams. I mean, the gap is just too large. So, Witt, how much do you want to bet uh, on the Clemson and Miami game? <laughs> let's let's talk will, about that. Let's talk about I will, that. I will bet ten, <laughs> I'll bet $10 that, that Miami beats Clemson. $10. $10 against the spread or straight up? I don't know. Are you saying – do you think that Miami is going to put up more points in an American football game than Clemson? <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying that Miami is going to okay, beat that's fucking that's Clemson. That's I don't, that's I don't fucking – I don't know. Because if it was against the spread, then they don't have to beat Clemson <laughs> in a game of American tackle football. They just have to cover. Oh, no. Miami is going to beat Clemson. I'm betting $10 on it. Uh, I've only had one like – I might have been drunk. <laughs> Whatever. ACC is ACC. You know, we're talking about – might as well be a group of five conference, to be honest. Wait a minute. Uh, let's talk about the SEC. Before you go there, well, the before SEC. you go there, saying right. the ACC is a group of five conference. Are you talking about the same ACC uh, conference that that's beaten Alabama, that's beaten Auburn in, in national championship games? They didn't beat them. Clemson did. One team. One team. Clemson. Clemson. Clemson is an SEC team. They are. Team that, yeah, they are. Teams. They really are. I was just playing. Uh, it is. It's actually this year. Let's talk about Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. 
cruised to victories this weekend, smoked the teams they played. It wasn't even close. And top non-Alabama teams in the West, A&M, Auburn, and Mississippi State were all handed their first loss of the season after coming into this weekend with big hopes of a successful season and potential SEC championship aspirations. From how things have looked so far, you guys think it's fair to say the SEC East has overtaken the West as the best division in the conference? What do you think, Matt? Big Bama fan. I'm not ready to say it yet. And here's why. It's two weeks. Let's pump the brakes. We don't know, in my opinion, we don't really know what LSU is yet. I think that they're definitely not the team that they were last year. But I don't think you can judge week one LSU as what LSU will be all year. I think Ed Ogeron will get those guys better as the year goes on. I mean, obviously, Alabama's Alabama. We're, we're going to do our thing. I think where you're going to see that the West is going to be, in my opinion, maybe a little better is Ole Miss is not going to be bad this year. They beat Kentucky in a really close game. Ole Miss's defense is terrible. Ole Miss's offense is electric. Mississippi State, they they come off of an emotional road win, and they do what most teams do when they come off of an emotional road win, and they freaking crap the bed. Arkansas, I think, is a little bit better than what anyone gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. I think that some, a lot of Georgia's offensive struggles in that game early were because Arkansas's defense is actually pretty freaking good. So I'm going to give I'm, – I'm giving a little bit of credit to the lower-tier teams in the West – um, do I think that the, the top two teams in the East are better than the top two teams in the West? Definitely better than the second team in the West. I don't. I mean, I'll, obviously Alabama's doing Alabama things right now. Um, and I don't really think there's a clear cut who number two is in the West right now. So in that regard, yes. But I think that from top to bottom, I mean, the, the SEC West is going to be tough this year. Alabama's young in the secondary, so you're going to have teams like Ole Miss and Mississippi State that are going to put up a lot of points. Aside from that, though, I mean – I'm not ready to crown the East the new the new top dog of the uh, of the SEC, but they're definitely the top two. Maybe better than the, the SEC's no, the West number two. So no, the SEC East is not better than the SEC West for one sole reason: the Alabama Crimson Tide. Georgia has to beat Alabama. You know, Tennessee is going to have to beat Alabama for me to even consider that that you know, half of the conference is even close to the SEC West. Uh, like, I, like I said last week, uh, yeah, Tennessee looked good, but they played an awful Missouri team, okay? And, and and Georgia looked really good. I think Georgia is a lot better than, than what people expected them to be. But Auburn also, as we saw on Saturday, is not that great. So I, I'm just going to say that, you know, until these teams can consistently beat the Alabama Crimson Tide, the SEC West is still better than the SEC East. I'm I'm going to actually, and I don't mean this in a Florida fan biased way at all, I think that the SEC East is better, but only for this year. Um, with this year being such a weird year, and Georgia and Florida both being really good or looking really good so far, um, and Tennessee proving that they're probably number three, with the way they've played so far, I think there's just more depth between those three teams. And I know Missouri is terrible. I know Vandy's Vandy's not that great either. But I think even an 0-2 Kentucky and South Carolina teams have not played that bad in their first two games, really. So I think even if you include them with the top three, 
I think there's just more depth, you know, when you get to the middle because I just – Arkansas might be a little bit better, yes, but they're still Arkansas. I, I Kellen Mond showed me this weekend that I think if Jimbo Fisher can't get it straightened out starting this weekend against Florida, then he might be in trouble. Um, you know, Mississippi State, we really don't know what we're going to get because it's a Mike Leach team. You never know what you're going to get from Mike Leach. Yeah, Old Miss's offense is awesome, but their defense is still not that great. And I think Old Miss can upset someone – but I still don't think that means that they've put themselves in the position that the top three in the SEC East have put them in through two weeks of the season. So I think there's no clear number two right now in the West. I thought it was going to be Auburn. I thought it was going to be LSU at number three, but those two have not looked overly impressive in their first two weeks. So I think through two weeks of the season, just for this season, then yes, the SEC East is better, but have they overtaken the West? No. You mentioned Kentucky is lumping them in with that, that they're 0-2, and you're going to lump them in with the top three. They lost to Auburn, and they lost to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss was, is probably fifth best in the SEC West. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm just saying, from that perspective, the West is definitely still the king. I'm, I'm, I'm not lumping them in with the top three. I'm saying that I think the mid-tier, the, the four and five of the SEC East is probably – better than the four and five of the SEC West because Kentucky could have easily won that game. They missed a freaking extra point to lose. Yeah, but Auburn dominated them for the most part. Auburn's not very good. Auburn right now, I would say they're the four in the SEC West. I still think Texas A&M is probably the number two and then LSU three. You don't think so? Oh, God, no. No, no, flip that. I think so. Flip that, flip that, flip that. I think A&M – they 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 played awful against Vandy, but then they honestly didn't. They are buns I don't at football, think that... Matt. They are buns at football. They are bad at football. The SEC West, I'm with y'all, though. I think the SEC West is still better than the SEC East. I think the teams in the East that we thought were going to be contenders this year, I think Tennessee's good. I don't think they're on the same tier. I still don't think they're on the same tier as Auburn and LSU. Even though LSU looked terrible week one, I still think LSU's a better team than Tennessee. Kentucky was massively overrated coming into this year, and it's been very obvious the first two games of the season. Ole Miss pushed around Kentucky's defense. And, yes, Ole Miss has a good offense, but they still don't really have that much talent. I disagree. They 100% did. 100%. Besides Matt Corral and Elijah Moore and Jerion Ely on offense, they literally don't have anything. They're just making up plays. The fact that they threw John Reese Plumlee in there as a receiver here and there for, like, special plays is genius. I'm like, Lane Kiffin's just a genius. It's incredible that he's beating Mark Stoops. Kentucky has more talent. Developed talent, not recruiting okay, talent. Okay, that's fine. You, talent, no that's place. fine. I meant recruiting uh, talent. I, I think Ole Miss has better recruiting talent. Recruit. Okay, yeah. Ole Miss, Ole Miss is a better recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. Kentucky's terrible at recruiting. They've gotten better, but they're still terrible. The West, from top to bottom, is better than the SEC East. The three, I think the three worst teams in the conference are in the East. The two, two of the three best teams in the conference are also in the East, though. The East is top-heavy. Georgia and Florida are up in that tier just below Alabama. They're still in that national championship potential tier. But everyone else is in a tier fully – like, I think A&M, Auburn, as bad as I think A&M is, and I think A&M is just not good. I do not think they're good this year. I still think they're a tier above or a tier on the same level as – Tennessee, and I think I think A and M might be the fifth best team in the West. Honestly, I think Auburn and LSU are two and three. 
It just depends who shows up. I mean, if you if you watch week one, Auburn was for sure number two, and if you watch week three, I, LSU's for sure number two. They made a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Like it was it was a thirty-five seventeen game, and they went for it on fourth and two, and they do a little out route to the or a crossing route to the running back wide open, and he drops it, and it was a good throw by Kellen Mond. And they were on the they were almost in field goal range, but it was a point in the game where they had to go for the touchdown. Things like that is what kills Texas A&M. And I think overall, though, like, they didn't – like, they played themselves into the game. Like, we could have put them away early. It was 14 nothing. They fight back, make it 14-14. I just think that I- I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt right now through two weeks that they are a better football team than what they were against Vandy. And they didn't play terribly against us. We outmanned them for sure. But that it, – it, I mean, we're going to outman a lot of the teams in the West. Yeah, you are. That's true. You're going to man. You're going to outman a lot of teams in the country this year. But let's get into a little group of five conversation real quick before we get into some other segments. Uh, so the two of the top contenders, uh, UCF and Memphis, both lost their first game this weekend. And uh, besides Cincinnati, who is ranked number eleven and is obviously the front runner for the group of five New Year's Six team, what are other group of five teams that are impressing you guys and could possibly? Well, I, I'm going to jump in and go first because I, I think. I think mine is going to be something that no one else has really thought about yet. Um, obviously, in reality, it's Cincinnati's New Year's sixth birth to lose at this point. I, I think Cincinnati's ranked 13 or 14. If, if I'm not if I'm not correct, somebody correct me. But they're kind of up there. Like, I mean, they have a pretty impressive group of five win at home against an Army team who I think is a good group of five school. But outside of Cincinnati, I don't think there's a realistic chance that anybody else makes the New Year's six. But, like, for this question, I think the the two there's two answers, and I think it comes down to a game that we're going to pick later, and it's going to be Louisiana Lafayette and Billy Napier with the direction that he's got that program going. I know they haven't looked great. They probably should have two losses to their name already with Georgia State and Georgia Southern back-to-back weeks because they could have they had to come back to beat Georgia State and do it in overtime, and they had to come back in the last minute to beat Georgia Southern with a 50 seven-yard field goal attempt from a kicker who was one for four on the season for that. But Coastal Carolina is a team that stands out to me because Coastal Carolina is 3-0. Coastal Carolina started out the year, and I know it's Kansas, and I know Les Miles is really struggling to get that team on track right now, because, but it's a huge rebuild. You know, I still love Les Miles, but that's that's not what we're talking about. They drubbed Kansas. They beat a Campbell team who – had Georgia Southern on the ropes worrying late. And then last week, they drilled Arkansas State. And Arkansas State is – if you pay attention to Group of Five football and Sunbelt Conference football, Arkansas State is typically a 7-5, and 8-4 and four team who can play with anybody in the conference. And this is the same Arkansas State team that beat Kansas State, who beat Oklahoma to start the season. And Coastal Carolina hung 52 on them. Their freshman quarterback – Grayson McCall has completed 69% of his passes so far this season and has a 9-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio through three games. And he's a true freshman. Coastal Carolina has a huge opportunity this week to put themselves in the conversation for the Sun Belt Championship and that New Year's sixth berth and potentially slot themselves in the 24th, 25th spot in the rankings. Coastal Carolina is right now is my team to watch in the group of five because that quarterback is pretty daggum good. All right, well, my team to watch is the obvious choice, 
and it's the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. Now, I'm very biased to this team because, of course, <laughs> they play in my hometown of beautiful Tulsa, Oklahoma. But Tulsa has looked very, very good this year. They lost 16-7 to against a number 10-ranked Oklahoma State team, and they really should have won that game. Zane Smith went 18 for 28, 165 yards through the air, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, that was against a pretty decent Oklahoma State team that is number one in the Big 12 right now. And just this past Saturday, they beat a UCF team who has been the staple of group of five teams for the past, what, three or four years. And they beat them 34 to 26 at UCF. And Zane Smith there went 17 for 29, 273 yards, three touchdowns through the air. I think Tulsa is definitely the uh, group of five team that is going to challenge Cincinnati. And they play Cincinnati on October 17th. They uh, Cincinnati plays at Tulsa. So Cincinnati, is that, they're definitely going to be on upset watch uh, at Tulsa. Did you say their quarterback's His name, name is what now? Zane Smith, if I'm not uh, mistaken, or is it Zach Smith? I'm not sure, but when you say Zane Smith, my mind goes somewhere yeah, else. It's definitely Zach Smith. I, Zach Smith used to play. Well, for I beg your pardon, Zach Smith. So I remember I my know name is Zach playing, Smith, not so Zane Smith. I know where you're at with Zane Smith because as soon as you said it, I was like, wait yeah. a minute. Um, I don't know who a Zane Smith is, but I sure as hell know who Sam Bouchelle is. God damn it, you stole mine. The ponies are coming back, boys. They're 4 0. Oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, you're fine. But SMU, I mean, I think Sam Bouchelle is. If not the best quarterback in the group of five, he's a top five quarterback in the group of five. Dude throws for over 400 yards a game. He's absolutely ridiculous. Their their offense, I mean, freaking Ricky Robinson over here. G- Ricky Robinson Jr. went for 243 yards against Memphis, who was the group of five representative last year. I mean, this is a good team. And they were good last year. I don't know what has happened to them to where they've completely turned it around. It might honestly be because of Sam Sonny Bouchelle. Dykes, too. Or Shane Bouchelle, sorry. But, I, yeah, Sonny Dykes, man. They're, they're just a good team. They're a solid football team. They're in a state that's easy to recruit from, and they have players all over the field. I agree with everything that you said. I just wanted to add one more thing. I think their schedule lines up perfectly. If they win out, they become that team. They're going to have to beat Houston. They're going to have to beat – let me go back and look again. I know that I just – I was looking at their schedule earlier today, and I made note – I mean, they play Cincinnati. They play Cincinnati they've in two weeks. Yeah, they Houston, do. And they've got to beat East Carolina, which East Carolina this year is, seems kind of down. But overall, I think that if they went out, they beat Cincy, they – they're the only team outside of Cincinnati that has a shot. UCF, I think, has made themselves enough of a brand. If they went out and they went big in every game, that they could still get a shot at a, at a big game just because they've been they've been the consistent team. They're kind of like the new Boise. Like Boise a few years ago, I say a few, several years ago, even if they lost one game, like when they lost to Nevada, they still had a chance at a, at a group of five game with one loss just because they would open up with, with good opponents and win. Um, so I think that UCF has done enough that they could still get it, but I'm, I'm SMU, baby. Pony Express Part 2. I would love to see it. That would be a lot of fun to see. Let's get into the winners and losers of the week. Uh, Chad, Chad, who's your oh, winner? Well, of the week? love to hear it. Pig Suey, baby. My winner of the week is Sam Pittman and those fans in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and really the entire state of Arkansas who had just been – oh decimated the past two years with just 
awfulness. You know, when they fired Brett Bielema, I was like, that's a good idea. You should, you should fire Brett Bielema. Then they brought in this Chad Morris guy who was hyped up for getting SMU back to a bowl game for the first time in years. And, and he was Clemson's offensive coordinator when Deshaun Watson was there and he recruited very well. And then it just, Oh my God, it was horrible. As, as our brother Lando would say, it was awful. I mean, Arkansas's past two seasons have been awful. I love Sam Pittman. I, the minute that Sam Pittman cried during his introductory press conference, I knew that Arkansas made a right hire because that showed a man who had been at Arkansas previously as, a, as an offensive line coach who loved Arkansas, who bled red and white and wanted to be a part of the Razorbacks. And that win this week for them, breaking that big streak, was huge. You know, I'm not saying their season's going to get any better. They might win a game or two more, if that. But that's a start, and you got to give it to Sam Pittman. Great job this week. Winner of the week, Sam Pittman, Arkansas, and the entire state of Arkansas. Great win for the natural state. And my loser of the week, we're going to take it down to the state of Alabama, NASCAR. My boy, Matt DiBenedetto, got robbed out of his first career win because of NASCAR and their stupid inconsistencies with their rules. I, I could rant about this forever, but I'm not going to because it'll take an hour. But I'm very upset, as are a lot of fans of NASCAR right now. Now, to get to my winners and losers, i got to be quick here. My winner this week is the Cleveland Browns, who are quietly – three and one in the NFL right now. They're averaging over the past three games, almost 40 points a game. Uh, They've finally gotten Odell Beckham involved in the offense. They've taken, you know, some of the the stress and strain off of Baker Mayfield's hands. Uh, And I think that has really helped the Browns excel their offense and get their offense to where it needs to be one of the best in the NFL. And my loser of the week is going to be the former head coach of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. He was fired for a reason. The dumbass traded away all of the talent for Deshaun Watson. And because of that, they are, if I'm not mistaken, one in three in the NFL right now. They're 0 and 4. 0 and 4. So I gave them more credit than they than they freaking deserve. But that's why Bill O'Brien is fired because he traded away Deshaun Watson's biggest target to a team that is now, you know, playoff bound because they have DeAndre Hopkins. They he, he traded him away from Deshaun Watson, and that is why Bill O'Brien is the loser of the week. Lando, you just completely stole mine. My winner of the week is the Houston Texans <laughs> for firing that dumbass. Bill O'Brien, the coach, terrible head coach, and my loser of the week is Bill O'Brien, the GM, who had to fire <laughs> Bill O'Brien, the coach, uh, today in, in just a horrific turn of events. Um, I could not imagine having to look in the mirror and fire myself uh, after making all the money that he's made. But, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien's a good guy. He might get on his feet. Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> winner of the week. week is baseball. I think for the first time in a long time, baseball is relevant in October, even on days when there is football. Uh, they did a good job this year of not putting playoff baseball games that mattered on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, and I think that this neutral site thing is adding in a completely new element to baseball that's going to make it exciting, uh, at least for people like myself and, you know, us avid avid Braves fans. You know, obviously we're disappointed that they're not going to be playing this playoff series in Atlanta. 
or, you know, if they were to make it to the World Series, that won't be happening in Atlanta either. But I think it adds a completely new element to the game, uh, especially in a year with COVID. Why not do it like this? See how it works and, uh, you know, see what people think. And the ratings are way up this year um, for playoff baseball. So good job, baseball. My loser of the week, sorry, Lando, It's it's got to be Oklahoma. I mean, God, you, all, all the talent in the world offensively, Spencer Rattler hasn't looked great. Uh, I, I think last year when the when the Boomer Sumer wagon turned over, that was like an omen for what was going to be happening soon. I mean, the wheels are coming off of Oklahoma right now. They lose to Kansas State. They lose to Iowa State. First time they lost in Iowa since like 1973 or something like that. I don't know. It was some crazy stat, like 60s or 70s. First time they've lost back-to-back games since 1999. Early 50s. I, I don't know what to think about Oklahoma anymore. I, I, I Last week I was like, oh, no, I mean, this is what Oklahoma does. They lose a game early and it doesn't really matter in the end. I don't know now because Oklahoma doesn't look like Oklahoma of, of, of the past couple of years. So that's my winner, baseball, loser, boomer. So we're about to get into our picks of the week. So since we have no Georgia Southern football game this week, we decided to go with a different sum-up matchup. The number 23 Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns are going to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Uh, they're both 3-0. These are two potential group of five contenders. I honestly have not seen Coastal Carolina play, and I've seen Lafayette play once. They're not Lafayette anymore. They're Louisiana. They've, I've only seen them play two games. It was against Georgia State and Georgia Southern, and I didn't think they looked good in either game. But Coastal Carolina being good at football and not baseball sounds just ridiculous to me. So I'm, I'm taking Louisiana. I'm going uh, the Raging Cajuns by three field goals. I'm actually going upset here. I'm going Chanticleers. Uh, I watched them play against one – I think they played Campbell, and I watched it, and they looked a lot better than Georgia Southern did against Campbell. And they actually looked a lot better than App State looked against Campbell. So uh, I, I'm thinking that Lafayette got away with one against uh, – or excuse me, Louisiana. They dropped the Lafayette. Uh, Louisiana got away with one with Southern, and I think the Chanticleers pull off the upset this weekend. I, I'm with you there, Maddie. I'm going with the Chanticleers. Like I said earlier, I'm very high on the, on um, Grayson McCall, and I think that teal turf is going to uh, hurt the minds of Louisiana Lafayette a little bit. So I'm going with the Chanticleers by 12 with the upset and cementing their place in the top 25. Huge upset. Will we see another one? Game number two, the Hogs, Arkansas, one and one, one of the top teams in the SEC this year. At number 13, Auburn. Auburn is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think Auburn is going to dominate. I think Auburn will win eventually because as bad as Bo Nix is, I don't think he's as bad as Felipe Franks. I could be wrong. He's pretty damn bad. Um, I think Auburn wins this game just on sheer talent, but I think it's closer than the 16-and-a-half-point spread. Arkansas covers, Auburn wins. Yeah, so last week I shot on Arkansas – uh, and I gave them no chance to win that game. So this week I'm going Arkansas by 10. I, I'm going to have to disagree Ooh. with Lando and pretty much agree Ooh. with ex- everything Matt said. I think Auburn's going to come out and play fired up, a little pissed off about the way they played last week. But I think Arkansas is now playing inspired. Like I said, I love Sam Pittman. But I don't think it's going to be near as 
far as the spread thinks it's going to be. I think some people probably think it's going to be a blowout, but I, I think Arkansas has improved. Felipe Franks he sucks. Um, but yeah, I think Auburn by 14, I think, I think it's going to be close, but eventually Auburn just has too much talent and they win by 14. Uh, I'm pretty close there with you, Chad. I think Auburn is just a better team all around. I I think Arkansas is improved, but I still do not think they can beat a team with the talent of a blue bu- blue blood-ish program like Auburn. Not saying Auburn is elite or anything, especially not this year. But they still have good talent. They still recruit well. They have players all over both sides of the ball. Um, I think it's closer than this game usually would be. I'm pretty sure Auburn put up 51 on them last year. And Bo Nix looked like a Heisman candidate, which is saying something after he looked this weekend. But I'm, I'm going Auburn. Um, I think it'll be close, kind of close. I think Auburn will still cover. Um, but I think it'll probably be like a 17-point game. So they just barely cover that point spread. Now, getting on to our next game of the week, uh, we got the Florida State Seminoles playing the number five Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame is a 21.5-point favorite at home. As much as I don't like to hype up Notre Dame, um, I'm that down on Florida State. And, you know, I thought this past weekend, if any, if anyone remembers, Jacksonville State upset Ole Miss in Oxford not too long ago. Um, well, it's been about maybe 10, 12 years now. But I thought Jacksonville State and the Gamecocks, who are actually a very good FCS program, um, were going to were gonna get Florida State this week. They had a 21-7 lead, I believe, in the second quarter. And Florida State flipped the switch and turned it on and ended up winning that game 41-24 like they should have. But Florida State, it, it's, it's they're not in a good place right now. I'm not big on Notre Dame. And – I I could be wrong. Florida State still has talent, and I still think Norvell is a good coach. But where they're at right now as a program, I think Notre Dame wins by 24. I, I just – Florida State's in a bad spot. I'm with Chad here. Never hype up the Golden Domers, but, damn, they're, they're, they're playing Florida State. And Florida State made Georgia Tech look like a decent football team, and Georgia Tech is not a decent football team. So, um, I, I've got to say that uh, the, the Golden Domers pulled this one off. I mean, I'm not a fan at all. God, I really dislike Notre Dame, but they're gonna they're gonna blow them out. Yeah, Florida State sucks. So Notre Dame by thirty. Four words: Florida State is terrible. <laughs> Notre Dame wins by fifty. That's it. Fifty points. I'm calling it. Florida State's terrible. They suck. They suck really bad. They suck really bad. Waste of a pick. Miss State at Kentucky. Uh, neither one of these teams are ranked after being ranked, both being ranked in the past two weeks. Um, Kentucky is a minus three uh, home favorite. So I'm going to go Kentucky. Uh, they're going to, I think, win by five. I'm, I'm actually going Mississippi State. I think uh, Ole Miss showed you that, that you can score a lot of points on Kentucky's defense. And I think Mississippi State's defense is better than Ole Miss's. And it, Ole Miss was getting some some got some key stops. I think Mississippi State will do the same. I think uh, Mississippi State wins by wins by a touchdown. Yeah, I I picked Kentucky to beat a Mississippi school last week. I'm not doing it again. Yeah. Um, not after the way Ole Miss shredded their defense. Um, I think Mike Leach and them will bounce back because that's just what Mike Leach teams do. They come out one week and they look amazing, and they come out the next week and 
blow 30 point leads to UCLA at home. Um, so I, I'm only going with Mississippi state in this game because they've won nine of the last 11 games against Kentucky. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Mississippi state and Kentucky are actually each other's sec East West crossover game every year. So they play every year. This is kind of a low key rivalry, but Mississippi state has dominated it in the last 11 years. And you know, if, if Mike Leach's air raid, can do even half of what Ole Miss did to that Kentucky defense this past weekend, I'm going to go with Mississippi State. I think it'll be close, so I'm going to go Bulldogs by six. Yeah, honestly, I'm right there with Lando. I think he was right on the money. I got Kentucky by five, and I think it'll come down to the trenches. I think Kentucky's got a better offensive line, and I think they have a better defensive line than Mississippi State does. And I know Mississippi State is going to be looking to throw the ball, but and I think they do have a lot of talent at receiver. And I, I think K.J. Costello – is a lot – I think he's probably in between what he looked last weekend and what he looked the first weekend. And I think maybe we'll pr- probably maybe start seeing that this week. But um, I think UK's defense will hold up, and um, I think they'll get the win. Then they'll win by five. Um, we'll move on to the next game. It's our – one of our ACC games of the week. We got Virginia Tech, number 19, heading to Chapel Hill, taking on the number eight North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, the Tar Heels are a five-point favorite. And um, – Honestly, I think North Carolina is going to win this game by 15. I don't think Virginia Tech is going to be that good this year. Not really a huge believer in Fuente. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I think Mac Brown is probably just going to coach circles around him. Fuck Texas week. So I'm, I got Virginia Tech at the upset. <laughs> Virginia Tech by three. I'm, I'm with Witt. I've, I think Fuente is a good coach. I think he's proved that at Memphis. But I also think that this is a make-or-break year for Justin Fuente. And, you know, this game, I think, this early in the season, especially with the hype surrounding North Carolina, is big for him. I think this game could determine the direction that Virginia Tech's season goes. Um, you know, Justin Fuente had a, had a recruiting class ranked like 71st last year. And, a, and not a lot of people talked about that. You know, Virginia Tech is supposed to be this really good program with a good history, and ever since Fuente took over with all that hype, it just hasn't been there. I think this game will be close, but I think North Carolina wins by three, and I think that Virginia Tech's season kind of goes in the opposite direction, and this could this year could be it for Justin Fuente. I kind of I, – I see both – this is a tough one for me. I, watched Virginia, I have not watched Virginia Tech. I have watched UNC. Uh, I watched a little bit of Virginia Tech on Saturday. They, they upset Pitt. Um, I just don't know that Mac Brown's going to let UNC look like they did against Boston College again this week. I think that, you know, now that they're going to uh, hopefully be more consistent with their games, you know, they, they're not going to have a two-week break. I think that it's going to be easier for them to game plan, practice. I think UNC wins a close one. That's NC State beat Pitt, not Virginia Tech. But all right, guys, let's get into some of the better games of the weekend. Um, this game is – the lane train coming into T-Town. We got Ole Miss at number two, Alabama. Alabama is a 24-and-a-half point favorite. This game is going to be a lot of fun, but uh, mainly fun because the tide's going to steamroll. Lane's <laughs> offense is going to put up points. We're going to give up a lot of points. But, my God, we are going to have a heyday on offense. Their defense is terrible. Uh, you know, they gave up 400 yards of rushing this past week to Kentucky. 
Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders, unload the stable. Mac Jones, if they let him play the whole game, he might throw for 600. Uh, you know, just look, it, tied wins. It's going to be one of those stupid scores where it's like we, we win like 59 to 30, 38. So last, last week during the episode, we had a segment cut out. It was called the Upset Watch of the Week. And in that watch, that upset special, I picked Arkansas to beat Mississippi State. And I was throttled for it. Are you doing what, are you doing what I think you're about to do? You are going to laugh at me here. I'm, wow. calling, I'm calling for the Ole Miss upset, boys. I'm going Ole Miss, wow. Ole Miss by two. Ole Miss by two. I think Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin's been preparing for this game since he was hired. I think uh, the new tie defense has not really seen a test on offense. I think this is the best offense they've seen this year. Um, and I think they're just going to roll into the game thinking it's going to be a beatdown. I mean, and, you know, I would never actually bet my own money on this pick. That's I agree bold. with you. Lane Kiffin's ready. But if you mean to tell me that Nick Saban think, is, not, is not getting his guys juiced up to play against Lane Kiffin because I think that you know where where I'm I'm sorry if this goes on a slight rant but I think Lane Kiffin respects Nick Saban and Nick Saban respects Lane Kiffin enough because Saban whenever Kiffin was the OC at, at Alabama he would chew his ass but it but all of that made Lane Kiffin who he is now and I don't know if y'all watched Lane Kiffin any of the highlights from Lane Kiffin's like introductory meeting with the team he is like fully pulled out the hand motions and the eyes just like Saban at the podium. It was, it was fucking bizarre. I, I see what you're saying with, I agree with you. I just think that there's no fucking way, no way Ole Miss is able to get enough stops. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not picking Ole Miss, but I'm kind of with wit. When Lane Kiffin got that job at FAU, I think that was humbling. I think he looked at that job at FAU and said, this is my opportunity to change the direction of my career, and he has Saban to thank for it. So I think he's jacked for this game, and this is a game every year. Old Miss looks at LSU and Bama every year and says, we can get them this year. And I don't think Old Miss gets Alabama, but I think it's going to be tighter contested than people think, and I'm going Alabama, but only by 10, 41-31. Alabama. All right. Rule tied by 14. Not a bad pick. Not covering, though. Move on to Chad's team, the good old number four Florida Gators, heading down to uh, College Station, taking on the Aggies. Uh, they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I correctly picked the uh, point spread for our game last week against Carolina. We won by 14. That was my pick. Just wanted to tout that real quick. Good job, Chad. I think we win this game. And I think by 17, uh, our defense played a little better this week. And I think each week it's going to take small baby steps. And I know that you guys think A&M is a little better than I do. But until Kellen Mond is gone, I don't know if A&M is ever going to take that step. I think A&M has a Kellen Mond problem. And I think we're going to go in there. And I think we're going to – I think A&M will – I think A&M will hang around. But I think eventually our offense is just gonna it's just gonna step into full gear, and I think this is the week that people look at Florida and actually give us some respect because I haven't really felt like we've garnered the respect of the country yet. I think people think we're living off hype right now, um, so I think we win by seventeen. 
I'm uh, I'm going to say that that A and M and Jimbo Fisher know that this is the week. They're 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 a wounded they're a wounded lion right now. I, I think they've got the potential to come out and play big. I think they go up early. I think Florida comes back. I think Florida winds up eventually winning this thing. I think they score a touchdown late to put it out, and they win that win by fourteen. But I think that uh, I, I think that A and M comes out early on the attack. And they exploit some of Florida's defensive issues, and uh, but ultimately Florida's offense takes over and wins it. Yeah, I'm assuming with you, Matt. I think uh, Texas A&M is going to come out swinging and put up a good fight, but in the second half, Florida's just going to take over, and I'm, I think Florida's going to win by 17. Nope, A&M's not coming out nothing. They suck. I'm taking Florida. I don't think it's going to be close. I think Kellen Mond is the Jarrett Garantano of the West. He is holding them back. They have plenty of talent. I think if they had a different quarterback, and I think if there were fans in the stands, I would think, I think the game would be a little bit closer. Um, but I don't. But that's not happening. That's none of that's true. Um, I think A and M is just not good. I, th- I honestly, I'm starting to question if Jimbo is really even interested in winning in this program, or if he's just there taking the money. Because I would not be surprised if he just is taking that money and is ready to retire here in the next five years. But I think Florida's too explosive for the Aggies, and I think Florida's going to win by. <laughs> Don't hype us up too much. About thirty-five. I think it's. I think it's a beatdown. I'm not even hyping y'all up. I honestly just think AM is that bad. But moving on, the Big Twelve game of the week, potentially the play-in game for the Big Twelve championship. Maybe, maybe we'll see. It's still early. Number twenty-two, Texas is taking on. Oklahoma and the Red River rivalry, one of my personal favorite rivalries. Uh, Oklahoma is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And um, we'll let Lando get us started. <laughs> Boomer Sooner. That's all I got to say. By, by God, that's Jim Ross's music. <laughs> all right. I'm going Texas. I think Texas wins by a touchdown. I think Oklahoma's defense is not good. I think it might be the worst they've had in the last four years. I think Spencer Rattler is a good quarterback, and I think he eventually will be a great quarterback, but he's not there yet. And I think that Texas is more stable and turns the ball over a little bit less than Oklahoma does. I think they win by a touchdown. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go against good old Jr. Jim Ross here. Um, and I agree with Witt. I think it's close, but I think Texas realizes that this is the week that if they stand any chance of winning the Big 12 and potentially making the playoff of one loss, I think Texas realizes this is the game they have to win. I think it'll be close. Uh, to quote Jim Ross, I think it'll be a slobber knocker. Texas by two. I think the worst thing that happened to Oklahoma last week was Texas also losing because I think if Texas lo- wins that game, they might come in with their guard down, and Oklahoma might be able to sneak one. I, I, I just think that Ellinger is kind of in one of those uh, places where he's not pleased. I think Tom Herman's going to get the boys fired up. I, I think Texas might play defense this week. We'll see. I'm going. I'm going Texas by ten. Ooh, sorry, Lando. I think we, as the Around the Keg podcast, should make a little bet with Lando about his team. I'm, I I'm think in. if I'm in. Oklahoma wins, we let Lando open like the it. show with the Oklahoma like fight it. song next week. What do y'all think about that? 
Let's do it. I Let's think it's a great it. idea, make, but a little, make it a little to elaborate on my pick a little bit more, I think there's no fucking way Oklahoma's going to lose three straight games. So, boomer sooner. Yeah, it would. That would, be, that would be unprecedented. But it is 2020, and it is unprecedented times. We're moving on. We got the CBS game of the week, SEC game of the week. We got the number 14, Tennessee Volunteers, heading into Athens, taking on the number three dogs. Uh, Georgia's a 14-point favorite. And I'm going to start us off. I don't think Tennessee matches up well with Georgia. I think Tennessee's strength is on the – Tennessee's strength on offense is their run game and their offensive line. And Georgia has allowed one rushing touchdown in the past two years, and it was to Bo Nix last season. I think Kirby is going to make Garantano win the game for him, and I do not see that happening whatsoever. Now, if they pull a little Bama and throw in Harrison Bailey at halftime like Bama did with Tua and Jalen the year after, well – Make me feel like shit saying that, but I'm not that high on Georgia, but I'm still gonna go go dogs. I got him by 15. I think I think Pruitt comes out early. Yeah, his team plays hard for him. He's a good motivator. He's a good coach, but th- he's got nothing for Georgia. Georgia, as I've said, as I said last week, Georgia is Mr. Consistency when it comes to to winning these games. Uh, they, they, I don't see this being a year that Tennessee sneaks up on them. Uh, Georgia by, by four touchdowns. Yeah. I'm not on the blowout train with you guys. Uh, I think Tennessee, I think this game means a lot to Tennessee more than it probably has in the past couple of years. And I think Tennessee is going to walk into Athens with a chip on their shoulder and think, Hey, this is the game we have to prove that we can compete. And Georgia looked really, really good. But even with Jarrett Garantano, who I agree is not good, I think Harrison Bailey needs to be put in the game. Um, I, I think Tennessee competes um, as good as Georgia's defense is, and I'm, I'm pretty high on, on Georgia's boy, Stetson Bennett, right now. But I think Tennessee's going to play with a chip on the shoulder. They're going to play fired up, and I think Georgia only wins by seven. Oof. Close game. Doesn't cover. I could see it, though. I could see it, though. We'll move on. We'll move on to the college game day game of the week. Uh, we got the number seven Miami in their third game in four weeks on ESPN um, at number one Clemson Tigers. Uh, Clemson is a sixteen point favorite. Miami by a safety. I think Oof. I think Miami shows out oh. and and tries to prove that hey we're back. Um, unlike Texas, I think Miami wants to be back and. I still don't think it's going to be enough. I, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think it'll be close, but I think Clemson, I think Clemson in the end puts their foot down, but I, I still think they only win by 10. I mean, it's close, but it's, I think, I think it stays in that realm of 10 to 14, but Clemson leads the whole time. So Clemson by 10. Dabo Sweeney went to Alabama. Dabo Sweeney is built by Bama. Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers roll. All over the Hurricanes, not close. I'm going to say three touchdowns over Miami. Yeah, you know, I'm with you guys. Clemson has looked like one of, if not the best team in the country. Um, I'd say it's either them or Bama. And right now, I don't really honestly think it's close with anybody else. Um, Even Ohio State obviously hasn't played yet, so they might be up there too. But with all the inconsistency that's been wrapped around these early season Heisman contenders um, like Rattler and Ellinger and – KJ Costello came out of nowhere and all these guys. Um, Trevor Lawrence has been the most consistent superstar in the country. 
um, at least at the quarterback position. And Clemson looks like they will probably just sleepwalk through the SEC or the ACC like they have the past couple of years. And that is exactly why I'm taking the Miami Hurricanes to surprise the country and end Clemson's two-year streak of undefeated regular season games. I think Miami wins by two from a last-minute Alabama-like missed field goal from Clemson. Living life on the edge. I like it. One and two. It's 2020, boys. You got to get bold in the COVID year. We'll get to our last, our final, final pick, our own baseball-biased Atlanta Braves and the NLDS playoff series. We're going to predict how we think that the series is going to go. I think Braves winning three. I think Max Freed dominates game one. I think Ian Anderson dominates game two. I think Kyle Wright gets beat in game three. And then game four, the Braves do what the Braves used to do best, and that's close out playoff series. They go on to the first NLCS since 2001. So uh, that's what I'm, I'm – I'm going Braves in four. Uh, now, I will say I wouldn't be surprised if the Marlins won because on one hand, familiarity is good. On the other hand, familiarity is bad because the Marlins have seen the, the, all the, all the, the whole pony show. So nothing to hide in the bag for them. Uh, but I think the Braves still pull it off. Chad, what do you think? I kind of agree with Matt. I think Max Freed shows out in game one. I think the Marlins, who have given Ian Anderson some trouble uh, this regular season, um, maybe kind of get to him a little bit in game two. I think Kyle Wright probably pitches well in game three, but he doesn't pitch wonderful enough to win. And I also, on the same hand of familiarity that Matt just talked about, I think familiarity is good in these teams. Six and four this year in the Braves' favor but that's still cutting it pretty daggum close. These two teams are clearly the best two teams in the National League East all year. They played some great series. Um, the Braves are not going to put up 29 in the playoffs. I hate to break it to you guys, but bats got to get going. Uh, they didn't really get going until about the seventh or eighth inning in game two of that series against the Reds. But I think the Braves pull it out. Um, but I think it takes five. Um, and I'm also very skeptical of the fact that the Marlins have a 100% franchise playoff winning percentage so if the marlins win this series i won't be shocked but i think the braves are going to take it i just think it's going to take a full five games yeah i'm with chad there i think it's going to take uh the braves in five to win this series uh the marlins and the braves are a lot closer than we want to realize i think and that's going to make for a really compelling series but at the end i think the braves are going to pull out all the stops in that game five game and uh, come out with the win and go to the nlds I love it. Everybody's got the Braves. Let's hope they win it this week. But um, that's all the time we got, guys. Uh, We have talked our way through another long episode. Um, But we want to thank all you listeners out there for coming in and letting us talk to you guys again. Uh, We love all you guys, and we appreciate the support that y'all are giving to us. Um, Please follow us on social media. Uh, We have a Twitter account and an Instagram account. All of our episodes will also be posted on SoundCloud, so it would be great if you guys could follow us there as well. And uh, we hope you guys tune in again next week. 